Welcome to SGTM Talks. We hope you find this encouraging and inspiring. Well, please do be seated. It is great to be here. If we've not yet met, my name is Jack. I'm one of the clergy here. And it's my privilege uh, to be one of the people who oversee this midweek service. And it's exciting. I'm really excited today because today uh, we're beginning a four-part collection of talks where we look at uh, the figure within the Old Testament, David. The figure in the Old Testament, David. And as some of you may know, um, recently, um, my wife and I, uh, uh, we encountered, and uh, we didn't encounter, we welcomed into our family, in addition uh, to our family, as uh, my son is now just nearly four weeks old, and, and I've, I've had a restful paternity leave, if you want to put it like that. Uh, but it's amazing that when you have children, and those who have children or have been around children, uh, it is quite miraculous to just look into the eyes of a child and see the miracle which is life. And it's more so than that because actually uh, when you're in my line of work, um, I may as well have called my two sons uh, Sermon Illustration 1 and Sermon Illustration 2 because they reveal so much about life that I'm able to use it in moments like this. Um, And it is true that over the last couple of weeks I've been sitting there holding my newborn son and mesmerized at the gift that is life and the gift that is just human creation. It's constantly the thing that I keep coming back to when I look at my now oldest son and my youngest son. And I look at them and I just think, oh my word, that is a human being. That is an actual human being. This isn't like a doll. This isn't just an idea. This is an actual human being. And then when you take a step back and you think, where did they even come from? And the miracle that is the miracle of an organ being made within a woman's womb to sustain life for nine months in incubation, only to remove that organ as soon as the baby is delivered. The miracle that is just each organ within the child itself, the eye, the lungs, the heart, everything that is formed so early on. And as they come out of the womb and as they come out into this incredible world that we have and they grow and they grow and they grow, it's often the case that actually um, you tend to see children and you tend to see the parents in the child more so than most. My firstborn son, 20 seconds, well, no, 20 seconds. Well, it was, it was about half a minute after he was delivered. The midwife says, oh, my word, he looks like his dad. I'm sitting there thinking that is ridiculous. No one notices a, a father within a child who's 30 second years old. But if you've met my oldest son, you know, he very much looks like a carbon copy of me. That didn't happen with my youngest son, but often... What tends to happen when you see children is that you see a resemblance of the one who has created them. And in in the same way, actually, when my my, my oldest son a few days ago came up to me and handed me a Rice Krispie cake that he'd been making with his mother. um, And he was so proud to give me this Rice Krispie cake. And it was because of how he was treating this Rice Krispie cake and the way that he was handling it and so proud to show me, I could tell that he was the one who'd made this thing. Even though I couldn't see him in the Rice Krispie cake, how he was handling it itself showed to me that this Rice Krispie cake was created by him. And that is why over the next four weeks as we look at this figure of David and the hope being that as we look at David, we will be able to look into the past in a way that can change our present as we look into the future. It's important before we look at David himself to take a step back and ask where did David even come from? Where did David even come from? That's why I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3. You've got a Bible handy. If not, the words will come on the screen. And I'm going to read um, these first uh, 21 verses. It says this, that the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, 
was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hear about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called and said to him, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it that he, that he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide from me. May God deal with you. Be ever so severely if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. And the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's word fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So here we see a story of a young man who is the byproduct of a testimony himself. His mother, Hannah, prayed for years and years and years to have birth to a child and Samuel was delivered and she dedicated Samuel's whole life to service of the Lord. And where we will encounter the role of Samuel in the next coming weeks in relation to David. But before that, this passage reveals something about why it is that David's life is so important. And not only this, I'd argue it reveals two things that are fundamental for our faith in Christianity and that's essential for our work with Christ. And the first is this, that within this passage we see that God speaks like a whisper. God speaks like a whisper. It's an incredible passage. And it's in a passage where we see a child disturbing an adult only to receive the famous things of just go back to bed. Go back to bed. Go and sleep. I've told you time and time again, go back to bed. The three times this happens before Eli begins to realize that something else must be going on. But it is interesting because at the beginning we read that the word of the Lord was rare in this time. And if I was God, and I, sometimes I imagine myself to be God, I would think if I hadn't spoken for a while and people didn't really know what I sounded like, I would come in with a boom, this is me, this is my voice. You'd, you'd speak to the people in most authority, you'd speak to the really important people, and you'd come in with a loud crash, almost like a bull in a china shop, well I would anyway, like a bull in a china shop to make people realize, I am God, listen to me. But that is not what the Lord does here. 
See, he doesn't address the ruling authorities of the day through a shout. Rather, it's in the still of night where he chooses to speak to a young boy. See, night times are interesting in central London with a newborn. See, it's incredible how in the middle of the night, your ears can be so attuned to the breathing of an infant and yet completely drown out the sirens and the helicopters and all of the other noises outside. But that if you hear for one second hear silence next to you, you will wake up and you haven't woken up with all the horns and the shouting that come into the streets of London. See, it's interesting that we are able to hear the things that are most important to us in the dead of night. See, in the dead of night, Samuel is able to hear something. The law called to Samuel, and he did recognize the voice, and that is an amazing thing. Not only that God speaks, but God speaks to you in a way that you will recognize this voice. You may not, at this point not realize it is God himself speaking to you, but you will recognize the voice. I love the fact that Samuel runs to Eli three times and says, you call me every time. And even the fourth time, I, I'm sure he might think, oh, is this actually Eli this time? Or is this something else? Because often a child often forgets what you've literally just told them 10 minutes ago. And it reminds me of in, in John's gospel where Jesus says uh, that my sheep will hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's an intricate relationship between a sheep and their shepherd that actually the sheep respond only to the shepherd's voice. So it is true that built within us, built within our own DNA and our capacity is an ear to recognize and hear the God who speaks to us. See, it's fundamental that you realize this, that God is a God who speaks. And it isn't that he speaks a language that you can't understand. It's that he speaks in a way that even in the dead of night, you will hear him speaking. And it doesn't need to be loud, but you will hear him speaking. I love the fact that within the Hebrew Encount, uh, text within this 1 Samuel 3, um, there's an amazing tool used within the Hebrew language where actually repetition isn't necessarily repetition. So when we see this Samuel said once and then Samuel a second time and Samuel a third time, um, this is kind of like just Samuel. But when in Hebrew a word is repeated, it's repeated for emphasis. So yes, you can say it says Samuel, Samuel. Or in that moment, you can see that God finally, now is the moment that you realize it's me speaking. So it's almost like Samuel. And at that point, he realized. And the important thing about that repetition is that also within the Old Testament, where we encounter um, the word that when the angels will be around the throne and they will sing, holy, holy, holy. This is a repetition beyond all measure that actually those who are reading this would have understood holy, holy means this is a quite a holy thing. Holy, holy, holy. This is beyond all imagination. What on earth is that? So this reverence of repetition actually is important here. But it shows that in this moment, in this stillness, that actually God speaks and this little boy Samuel hears him. But it's not just that which is important to take away from this portion of scripture. It's not just important to realize that God is speaking and God does speak and he will speak to you. But more so than that, and this will become apparent in the weeks ahead, that your story, David's story, my story, your story, is so often and is actually totally dependent upon the result of someone else's faith. It's the result of someone else's faith. See, in the years after this small moment when this boy encounters God for the first time, he would stand before yet another boy and proclaim, and proclaim the anointing of God over their life. And he would find himself in different situations throughout his ministry where he would speak the word of God in those passages. And within this passage, we see how 
Samuel would be used to tell Eli what was going to happen to him. But in, in times later, we'd see this same Samuel stand before the, the forgotten son of Jesse, the one that wasn't even brought in front of him, to say, who is the king amongst these sons? And it's the eighth son who's brought in, and God says, this is the boy. This is the one who will be the king over Israel. This is David. So it's amazing the fact that this relationship that Samuel had with God started when Samuel himself was just a boy. See, without Samuel, David would not have been anointed. Without Samuel, we wouldn't have this incredible king. Without the people who have gone before us, we ourselves wouldn't be here. And this can be both in a corporate and in an individual sense, in a corporate sense. You wouldn't be sitting in this building right now if it were not for 300 years ago that it was deemed that the Lord was working in this place. And this building itself was erected in Queen's Square as a testimony to what God can do and is doing in this area. You, you yourself wouldn't even have faith in this country if it not for, for men and women of faith who came over to this country to bring the gospel. You wouldn't have faith if it were not the product of God's provision to provide people upon people upon people to carry on the torch. And in an individual sense, I can think in my own life of my parents of my grandparents, of those people who remain nameless uh, to most people. But I know that without them, I wouldn't have attended those conferences. I wouldn't have read that first Bible passage. I wouldn't have prayed that first prayer. It's so easy to forget that when we grow up and we become adults, we become so independent that it's all about me and my faith is my faith. And I got here on my own back. It's so not the case within Scripture. David himself is the product of Samuel's testimony, who himself is the product of Hannah's prayer, who himself, and it goes back and it goes back and it goes back. And then when we go forward from David and we encounter Jesus, what's the first thing that Matthew does in his gospel? He recounts that Jesus was the son of Baba, and it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. See, it goes all the way back. Lineage is important because it reminds you that from generation to generation to generation, the faith is passed on. And it's the same God who speaks through each generation. See, I love that Samuel recognized Eli through God's voice because he recognized the voice of the one who himself was mentoring him. Because it is true that God can speak to you through those who are mentoring you. And indeed, it works both ways, that God can speak through you to those you mentor, those who are coming after you. Please don't think that as life, as the, as the, the age, uh, age clock ticks on and on and on, that God is finished with you until you encounter him in heaven. Now, it's kind of that amazing thing that when if you're still breathing, God's still got a purpose and a plan for you. It's the people around you that you can speak into, and you have no idea who they're going to speak to and who they're going to speak to. I love the fact that within, within the Old Testament, when we see this blessing and, and, and uh, uh, numerous blessings that God gives, often it's within the context of generations. See, God has a mindset to see beyond just you. So when we encounter who David is in the coming weeks, and we ask this question, well, who is David? Let us not forget Samuel, this young boy who annoyed Eli in that, that, that night three times because God was speaking to him. This young boy who heard God speak and just said, here I am, speak to me. And then had the courage to tell the person who he was told, who he was told to tell. See, when we encounter David, the anointed king, it's easy to forget Samuel, even though it's recorded in the book of Samuel. It's easy to forget who Samuel was. And while we may think of Samuel as this great prophet, 
this wise prophet of old who went around Israel proclaiming God's word, let us not forget the young boy who himself was the product of his mother's prayer, who herself, and it goes back and it goes back. Your life here is a miracle. My, my son's lives are a miracle because they don't just start now. You look back and you look back. As I see my son, my, myself in my son, actually who I see most in my eldest son is my dad, not me. When I hold my son and my new son, I often see my dad in him. And when my dad holds him, he often says he is granddad in my son. And you just see this familiar descendants and this recognition. And when God sees you, he sees the faith of all of those who have gone before. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going we're gonna to sing one more song to close, but I'd love to pray for us. And I'd love to lead us in a moment of prayer where we ourselves recall those people who have been so important for our faith. Could be a parent, could be a mentor, could be a friend from school years ago or even just yesterday. And just re recall those people because it's so easy to forget those people who might have done one thing for us that was important or even those people that you might not even realize have been praying for you who have. I'm always amazed that my grandparents by name pray for their grandchildren and have done ever since we were born. And I never forget the day when we had our first son and I told and I was able to FaceTime my grandparents and say, Meet Ezekiel, your first great grandchild. And they said, We've added him to the list. Because when I pray for my grandchildren, I'll now start praying for my great grandchildren. And I know that every day my, my, now, my new son is also added to that list. So it is true that you are the byproduct of someone else's list. That actually when Jesus himself came 2,000 years ago, he came with Jean in mind, with Marisha in mind, with Ben in mind, with all of us in mind. He came with you in mind. And even though it was 2,000 years ago, he knew you would be in this place right now. He knew you'd be in this place right now to continue on in the faith, to pass down the wisdom of the Lord to the next generation and to the next generation. So Jesus, we give you thanks and praise. We ask that in this moment you recall to our minds those people who we can remember and those people we may have forgotten, who without their word and their ministry in our own lives, we would have been lost. We thank you for the provision of those around us to bring us into relationship with you. Thank you for listening to SGTM Talks. We hope you found this insightful and inspiring and can tune in again soon. In the meantime, try out our website, sgtm.org.